Welcome to the Wags of SEI podcast, where we discuss life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury, hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. Both our partners are quadriplegics, and after connecting online in 2017, we began the advocacy and support group WAGS of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends of Spinal Cord Injury. So you must be thinking, what is the goal with this group? Our goal is and has always been to establish and nurture a strong network of women around the world who understand and support one another while navigating the SCI life. We know firsthand the challenges that come with living this lifestyle. And our mission with this podcast is to spread education, awareness, and positivity from our unique perspective. So join us each week as we tackle deeper discussions around balancing life as a caregiver and a lover to someone with a spinal cord injury. Thank you so much for tuning in to the WAGS of SEI podcast. Here we go. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Wishart Brain and Spine Law. Led by our personal mentor and lawyer, Robin Wishart, Wishart Brain and Spine Law is a uniquely specialized law firm located in Vancouver, British Columbia. They focus their practice on complex spinal cord injury and traumatic brain injury cases. And they work with clients all over North America as advocates and a much needed resource in the spinal cord injury community. Robin and her team look at their clients differently than other firms. You're not just a case, you're a person with a family, a life, and a purpose. They are always looking for ways to help improve the quality of life for their clients by providing the support they need for their recovery, such as assisting with insurance and benefits paperwork, finding resources for home adaptations, setting up medical appointments with doctors and specialists, and making sure that their clients are doing physically and mentally okay. Wish Our Brain and Spine Law is proud to support WAGS of SCI. Robin is committed to helping clients and their families any way that she can, because she wants you to live your life and not your claim. Your first consultation is always free. So contact them at brainandspinelaw.com and make sure to mention that the WAGS of SCI sent you. This podcast is brought to you in part by Megan Williamson, head coach at Ocean Rehab and Fitness. Live life with an SCI and looking to improve your fitness? Or maybe you're finished rehab and want to take the next step in strengthening your body. Megan Williamson at Ocean Rehab and Fitness now offers online adaptive training programs and one-on-one coaching to individuals around the world with spinal cord injuries. Visit www.oceaninsiderclub.com for more information on how you can get started on achieving a stronger you. Hello, and welcome back to the Wags of SCI podcast with Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. Uh, so everyone's super excited about this podcast because... Charisma Jameson is our guest today. Um, You may have heard of her from her hugely successful YouTube channel um, called Roll With Cole. So the two of them star in that channel together and they've just done a huge amount for the disability community these past couple of years. Um, You may also recognize Charisma from the Washington Post article on the WEGS of SCI. She was interviewed alongside Cole for that. Um, So Charisma Jameson, she is located in Virginia 
She's engaged to Cole and they are planning on getting married later this year. Um, she says her favorite things are working out, drinking wine and hiking. Welcome to the podcast, Charisma. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. So we have a new segment that we decided to toss in into the Wags of SCI podcast. And so the segment is called On the Spot. So we're going to oh. rally off. <laughs> Get excited. Uh, we're going to we're going to rally off some really quick questions. They're just going to be like a super speedy zone, almost like a bell ringer. And we're going to get to know you a little bit more. And it's going to be a great little icebreaker. So are you ready? Awesome. I'm ready. Okay. So my first question is, what is your favorite quote? Wow. Oh, man. That's a tough one. Stay positive. Stay positive. (laughs) Good one. Perfect. All right. second, Second question. What is your drink of choice? If you had to choose one, uh, beer, wine, or cocktail? Definitely wine. Red or white? Next. Ooh, I'm going to have to say white. Awesome. Pinot Grigio, to be exact. Awesome. Especially during summer, right? You want a cold glass of wine. Oh, Next yeah. question. What makes you the most happiest? Myself, truthfully. I think I make myself the most happiest, and you, can, you can't love others until you love yourself fully. Oh, awesome. nice. Nicely said. Okay, next question. Favorite place that you've traveled to? Singapore. Oh, I want to go to Singapore so bad. Um, it is beautiful. It just looks so clean and amazing. <laughs> okay, are you an early bird or a night owl? Definitely an early bird. I cannot stay awake past like 10 o'clock. It is a struggle. Mm, 10 o'clock. That's pretty late. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you prefer happy hour or brunch drinks? Brunch drinks. Brunch is probably my favorite meal. Awesome. Amen, sister. Do you guys want to have babies or not? Absolutely. If I could choose, I would want five, but realistically, two will probably be the number. Yeah, you guys are going to be very busy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, what is the best thing about being on YouTube? Um, I think community. You know, we meet so many different people. And it's really awesome because, you know, you get to talk to someone from, you know, India or China from just all over the world. And it just makes everything feel so much smaller, which is insane to think about. Yeah, that's so that is really cool, though. That's a great thing about the online community is it just makes you feel like you have friends everywhere pretty much, right? Exactly. What is your favorite part about being a fiancé? Um, I just, it's just good to like have someone who loves you as much as you love them. It's just that having that person that's always there, you know, when you're up and when you're down, it's just someone always there to cuddle and to laugh with. It feels great. Aw. Okay, now, what is the worst thing about being on YouTube? Ooh, negative comments, for sure. <laughs> and we'll definitely get into that later, because that's been a big thing, um, especially oh, since yeah. we've met you, is the negative comments that happen. And, you know, they're going to happen, but we'll get into that later. But for now, thank you. Well, thank you so much for participating in On the Spot. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a good icebreaker, because then, you know, these questions are just, they show a little bit of who you are, a little peek into, like, who you are. And I think it's just good for the listeners to see that about you, because you're just so, like, real and so unique. And you were literally... 
literally one of the first women that we connected with online. Pretty much, right, Alina? Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure we did. And we totally loved you guys' vibe, you and Cole. Just really, really cute. Cole and Charisma, that sounds cute, right? Mm-hmm. So you guys are just one of those couples, I think, that you've done an amazing job being very, you know, open and honest with your lives. And for anybody who hasn't already checked out their YouTube channel, please do so. It's Cole and Charisma. Um what is Cole's account? Roll with Cole. And that has been that has been a bit of a little bit of a light. You guys make a lot of light, um, lighthearted topics. You talk about some very serious things as well. But it's good for the world to see that, you know, disability is not just so sterile and so medical and that you can have a life and have love after SCI. So I think we want to get into real quick. How did you guys meet? Yes, yes. Um, I do agree with that. I did want to piggyback off of that really quickly. It is Roll with Cole and Charisma on YouTube. We recently oh. changed it about like, you know, a few months in because we were talking about us so much. And we we're like, you know, it's only right to put both of our names in it. So it is now Roll with Cole and Charisma. Awesome. Perfect. <laughs> but we met at Sheltering Arms. I was there as a rehab tech. Um, and I worked in the inpatient facility and Cole would come through the outpatient facility to work out. And we always make sure to note that we were, he was never my patient. Uh, so we didn't cross any legal boundaries there. Um, but I saw him working out and I thought he was cute. Uh, one of my coworkers had mentioned him to me. So I kind of had an idea of who he was and he had noticed me started talking to the people or his therapist. And then from there, we met at a gala, hit it off there. Uh, He followed me on Instagram. I followed him back, left a few pictures. And then eventually he slid into my DMs and got my number there. So it's very millennial 21st century, (laughs) but, you know, it worked. Cole would say, I got the girl, so. Aw. And, like, what was your... (laughs) I love that. After he slid into your DMs, what was your very (laughs) first, like, impression of that? Like, did you appreciate his confidence? Or what was your... What was the, the little thing that got you kind of hooked on him? Well, to be frank, I actually did not think he was flirting with me. I thought he just kind of wanted a friend. Um, And even the first time we hung out after that, I didn't know if he, you know, was really interested in me. I just was kind of like, okay, I'm going to hang out with him, make a new friend, you know, whatever. Um, But I got the, the feeling that he was interested, especially when he had mentioned a date. So initially, I just, I don't know, I thought this was like a cool dude that just wanted to be my friend. And then things kind of just went from there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. After our first date, I knew that he was very much interested in me. Aw. And so, like, do you find that your role at the hospital had a lot to do with, like, did you find it was just normal or did you have any reservations about dating someone um, that was a quadriplegic? You know, I never really thought about it, to be frank. Um, You know, working with people in wheelchairs every single day, you kind of... I, I never saw anyone's wheelchair. It was just who who they were for who they, I got to know them for who they were. Um, and so when I saw Cole, it was really just Cole. And I was very intimidated because I thought he was so good looking. And I didn't think that I had a chance, you know, with him more specifically because he was white and I was black. And, you know, being a black girl, you just don't realize or don't know if someone is really into you because of your race. And so that was the biggest thing for me, not his disability at all. Wow. That's really interesting. That's a very interesting Mm -hmm. perspective and something that we don't know anything about and something that 
I mean, we should definitely explore on this podcast because especially now um, with Black Lives Matter, um, it's so relevant. And I know you've been posting a ton on that um, on Instagram and using your voice as, you know, not only the quad partner, uh, not only the quad fiance, but you're also a very an amazing advocate for the black female community. So, um, yeah, so it's just been really, really enlightening. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's been a crazy time. Pandemics and all the process that we've been uh, having going on. Who knows when this will end? Hey, but it's it feels yeah. like this. This is a good time in the world for everybody to start, you know, reconsidering other people and and kind of fighting for that equality and, and those movements. So going back to your line of work, how did you get into it? Like what made you want to be a rehab assistant? So being a rehab tech um, was kind of like my job before applying to occupational therapy school. So I needed something that kind of got me into the field, got me experience so that when I applied, you know, my application looked much better. And I was looking all around and I found sheltering arms and, you know, heard so many good things about the hospital that I, I just applied. But it was definitely just like a um, a gateway to getting into, you know, the therapy world. Oh, okay. That's kind of a, I find that like in our community that we have so many other WAGs who are either nurses or frontliners or, you know, they've met their partners through similar um, situations as well. And it's kind of, do you find that you had that basic understanding of what Cole was going to be going through as like a partner because of your role? Yeah, no, I think that I had an idea of, what he was going through and an idea about quadriplegia. But I must say I did learn a lot because each individual is different. Each disability is different. And so I had to learn from a, you know, how Cole was able to do things individually, how he was um, mentally. Um, But it definitely allowed me to have some type of starting point and understanding um, regarding, you know, quadriplegia. And let's mm-hmm, face it, absolutely. we all we all think that we know, but then we don't, right? It's, every day is a learning exactly. experience. <laughs> mm-hmm, Anyone who thinks is. they know never really know, right? It's always new. It's always changing. That's like it's kind of that's the interesting part of this injury is I feel like you're always learning something new about the body, about the mind. I mean, it's definitely a blessing for us. I don't know if you feel mm-hmm. the same way. Oh, absolutely. And I think even like, you know, whoever's dealing with a spinal cord injury themselves, they're constantly learning different things about their body. I mean, just the other day, Cole learned something like he was getting a little AD chills and realized it was because he was dehydrated. So it's just, you never stop learning. Yeah. No, that's very, very true. I I know that, especially now that we're talking about AD and and the heat in the summertime, you know, for those of you who don't know that, I think it's, what is it, after T6, I think you can't control your body temperature. And that basically means that it's it's kind of crazy because AD can refer to like there could be so many other issues, right? From like you were saying, maybe being dehydrated, uh, maybe, you know, kind of running out of steam. You've been out all day. You need to lie down or you need some sugar or you need you need to cool yourself off. I know for the summertime, we use like a spray bottle. Do you guys do that where you like ho- kind of hose them down with a spray bottle to keep them cool? Yes, we actually <laughs> have a towel. Um, that we soak in water and it just holds all the, you know, the cool water and we just wrap it around his neck, put it on his head. Um, but yeah, cold can get very overheated in the summertime. How hot is it in Virginia right now? 
Oh my gosh, it is so hot. I think we're going through a little like um, heat surge or whatever you call it, but it is like high 90s feels like 105. Oh my gosh. It's, it's pretty bad. In, in Virginia, it's very humid. So my curly hair lasts about a day <laughs> before it turns into a big, huge afro. <laughs> but I, it's, been, it's been tough getting through this. Yeah. 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 Especially with the quadriplegic. Like it's just, it's, it's funny. We see this, um, on the message boards a lot now because it's summer. It's like, Oh my gosh, like now my partner's scared to go outside because it's just, he can't control his temperatures. It's all of a sudden, boom. And I think this is a good, um, little lesson for people listening that have friends or family members that are quads or paras that have trouble regulating their temperature is like, you know, take that into consideration when you plan something, maybe a socially distanced outing. How hot is it going to be? Is there going to be shelter? Mm-hmm. Because you know that person's going to need, you know, some extra assistance, right? Mm-hmm. Especially because you don't you don't want to be the people that are like, okay, so we're going to make a big scene because my partner could be hospitalized if we show up or if we stay out too late, right? right. Or too long in the sun. Right. So these are all topics that only a wag would understand. <laughs> so oh, true. Absolutely. So how long after you met Cole, did you guys decide to start with your YouTube channel? Uh, we started about four or five months after we started dating, I think. Um, initially, because I was getting so, so many questions about our relationship, how we worked, some activities that we did. And of course, people felt more comfortable coming to me than they did coming to Cole or going to Cole. And so I initially was just like, you know what, let's just start a YouTube channel. It'll be, you know, super easy for us to capture our lives for our friends and family and kind of an activity for us to do because we were so new in our relationship and I still was learning, you know, what we could do um, as turn like in terms of like activities and things. So we started the YouTube channel and we really loved it and it was really fun and it forced us to try new things, um, things I don't think we would have tried you know, without the YouTube channel. And then it just kind of like grew from there, got bigger. And um, and then we started taking it more serious, more like a business thing where we, you know, can make money. Um, mm-hmm. But we still do it, you know, because we love it and, and it's fun. And it also, it still forces us to get out and try new things. I love that. I feel like Brooke and I, when we used to do a little bit of that for content, right? You're trying to find like new ideas, new projects, new activities. Mm -hmm. And what is when you're talking about going out and trying new things, what is your favorite thing to do together when you go out? Oh, man, there's so many things. But I I think personally, I love getting or doing things uh, where Cole is kind of on the same level, if that makes any sense. So like getting in the water. We're both like on the same level in the water together. Um, that's probably, probably my favorite activity or getting in the standing frame. And that's not to say I don't appreciate or love Cole's wheelchair. Like, of course, but it's always that mm-hmm. moment of being able to do something different and it feels so good and it feels special. I remember, you know, way back when in like, I don't know, 2017, like er, late 2017, when you guys were like doing your branding and you were like, oh, here's our next venture. This is what we're doing and how you guys were just so authentic. And you just you're one of the pioneers as far as like highlighting not just the person that is paralyzed needs, but also the wife or girlfriend. And that's why it was so cool to watch, because I remember when you posted that photo of of Cole in the standing frame and then you guys made a video about it. It's like the first time he stood and it was just so like genuine and amazing because people need to see this kind of stuff. It's so important. And we we just assume people know what it would be like, but people don't know. And so you guys really have captured that. 
And I think that was on the news too, wasn't yeah. it, Charisma? Yes, yes. It was featured a lot of places. And that actually was the video that really made our YouTube channel take off. And a lot of people, that's still like one of our, our second most popular video. But I love it because like you said, it just shows like both sides, like from, you know, someone, a wheelchair user's perspective. And then from, you know, the person dating them, it's just, it was just a special moment. And we try to do it at least once a year um, because it just feels good to be able to be on the same, almost the same eye level, um, you know, as your partner. Totally. What, um, what keeps you going? What, what feedback do you receive consistently that kind of keeps you on this path? Um, for me personally, I love hearing how our videos have impacted someone in a positive way. Um, mainly from those who do not know anyone with a disability and how their mindset has changed. And when they see someone in public with a disability, disability, they no longer look away, but they try to engage with them and say hello and make sure they feel recognized. Um, that is probably personally my favorite type of feedback um just changing people's perspective totally and and kind of getting back into when you guys first met how did your parents receive Cole like the or how did your family or friends receive Cole and dating somebody with an SCI I think a lot of uh a lot of men that listen to our podcast or follow us have this question all the time they always wonder will I ever date again will anybody else want to date me so how did your your friends and family receive that that's a great question, actually. I We are very fortunate. Um, my family and friends were so accepting of Cole. And I think that they spoil Cole, truthfully. Um, I think they do a little too much. I'm just like, y'all, like, calm down. Like, Cole got, he has this, he has this. And, um, but all of my family, they're so quick to help. They're so loving. They're so accepting. They're so quick to learn anything they need to make both of our lives better. So if it's like, we're on a trip and it's just cool. And I'm, I'm his primary caregiver. All of my family, they're also quick to just step in and help. We went to my brother's wedding in Iowa and we were in the grass outside and Cole was having a hard time pushing. And it was my little brother's wedding. And he come up, he comes out of nowhere. He finishes, you know, taking his pictures and he just helps Cole push back, you know, to the hard surface. And they just help without like, I don't know, having to be asked. Uh, they're awesome. I'm I'm very glad I, to have supportive friends, friends and family. Well, shout, awesome. shout out to all of them. Cause like, we've talked about this before in the podcast about friends and family and like the yep. literally the best kind of person is the person that takes the initiative and doesn't like tiptoe mm-hmm. around and actually just steps in and observes and says, okay, I've seen her doing this for him. Now I'm going to do it on my own accord to help her out. You know, that yeah. is literally like the best person kind of person ever when it comes to this life, like friend or family. So all you Absolutely. you guys who are listening, that is make sure you observe if you if you really care about the person. Observing is such a it's such a positive thing to do because then it's like, oh, it feels so good when someone just reaches out and like helps without being asked. It's just great, right? Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, I thought I find that actually now that we're talking about this, I find that it's interesting also, you know, when we talk to our friends and family about like our daily like challenges, like let's say outings, 
And then once people start to kind of like stop and be more aware about even like streets, like, like how, when, when we go out, are there sidewalks? Are there letdowns on the curbs? Um, are we going to be able to park in a accessible parking spot? L- little th- things like that, that are actually like the big things, right? Is when people start to kind of like pay attention to their surroundings and then think about the person in the chair as well. And, uh, since yesterday was the 30th anniversary of ADA law, I kind of like looked into that. I was like, that's really cool, but it's only been 30 years. What do you think yeah. about that charisma? What do you think that about the fact that it's only been 30 years and how hard, you know, everybody fought to have this uh, put in place? Yeah, it's wild to think of that it's only been 30 years. Um, you know, my parents are older than that. I'm very close to being 30, so... It and, and I'm sure, like, even though it was passed 30 years ago or signed 30 years ago, it took several years for, you know, the whole country to actually start making changes. And so and I still think that, you know, we have a long, long way to go. And I want people to recognize, like, although, you know, they did was signed 30 years ago. Today, we still have so much that we need to do, you know, the issues with Medicaid, the issues with accessibility. You know, we often go to a restaurant um, especially in downtown Richmond, that is not accessible. And they use the excuse, oh, well, we were built at this point and we're older and we don't have to do it. And it's like, well, you know, you could just mm-hmm. get a ramp. It's not that hard to get a ramp in your restaurant to make it accessible for all. Um, right. So I just right. want people to remember there's we still have a long ways to go. Well, speaking of that, I was actually listening to a podcast yesterday, this this economist, and he was doing an episode on the ADA. And he was kind of uh, he's like, you know, everyone's celebrating this. Um, and it's great. But there's also another side to this, which is um, how everybody is required to make their places wheelchair accessible and make it equal access. However, the smaller businesses that can't afford it are are literally covering their pools up with cement instead of making it accessible uh, because it's mm-hmm. way more expensive to make things accessible. And mm-hmm. also, he was saying that these people just kind of... Eh, you know, we could get into this whole discussion, but I kind of wanted to know like what you thought about jobs for, for disabled. Cause you're, you're very involved in the community. And he was pointing out that before the ADA was um, put into place, uh, that there was a 50% employment rate within the disability mm-hmm. community 30 years ago. And now it's 20%. So it's actually gone mm-hmm. down because of how much it costs to insure a business for someone being hired with a disability. What are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, I think that's very interesting. Um, I think that, you know, with COVID happening, I feel like we can have a different approach on that. Being that everyone or so many people are now working from home, that that issue shouldn't necessarily be an issue right now. If we think of other ways to have people in the workforce, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, if it's too much or too expensive to make the building, you know, accessible, then maybe have you know, those people work from home um, or maybe have everyone work from home because I think that we're finding that it's cheaper for corporations and businesses to have people working from home rather than paying for a building kind of thing. Um, But no, I I find that very interesting. I've never really thought about that, nor I didn't know any of those statistics. 
Yeah, I was listening to it and I was like, this is a very, very interesting perspective because you always hear about, you know, celebrating disability rights, but there's also always some sort of a downside. Like, let's be honest here. I mean, in Canada, it's frustrating for us because we'll go out to places that are, you know, they're built in the 1900s and a place called Gastown about 10 minutes away from our house. And, And the buildings are just so old that we're not required, the businesses are not required to make it accessible even. And and this is Canada, we're we're progressive, right? So like we look at you guys and there's so many things we envy, like being able to go to an apartment or a hotel and have a lift to get into the pool. That just doesn't exist here, right? Right. And actually, before we actually keep on going here, I just wanted to explain what the ADA law for anybody listening. It's the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990. And basically this act is a, it's a civil civil rights law that prohibits discrimination based on disability. So when when you're listening to our podcast here, we're talking about, you know, there's no access to cool restaurants. Like, Brooke, you and Evan really love going out or used to love going out before used COVID. Used to, yeah. Huh? And, <laughs> yeah, and, and a lot of these restaurants, like you were saying, it's like they have like their, you know, little boutique restaurants and they're so sweet and they have like a, uh, you know, like a really, really great menu that's specific to these um, you know, characteristic restaurants, but you can't get in and you can't even get your, even if you have, you know, somebody lift you up in there over the couple steps, you can't even get through the door or maybe the table is like way too low for your chair. So these are things that we always have to consider before we go out on a nice date night with our partners. We have to do a lot of planning, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I do have a question though, um, regarding that statistic. It went from 50% of those people with disabilities in the workforce to 30%. 20%, he said. This guy's an economist. 20%. Like, I, there's a lot of his views that I, um, that I, I won't even name him because, you know, there's a lot of his views that I disagree with, but his perspective was so interesting. And I was just mm-hmm. like, I, I didn't look up the statistics, but he was talking for a long time about how the employment rate has gone down due to yeah. apparently employers have to have special insurance when they, um, employ someone who is disabled at their workplace and they have to take special considerations and it ends up being more money and it's just the system kind of sucks that's what he was saying yeah that it does make sense now that I think about it because um you know you have Medicaid um so when you start working and you earn more than what two thousand dollars a month you are no longer allowed to have Medicaid and then you have to rely on whatever job you're working for, their insurance. And usually their insurance doesn't cover nearly as much as the Medicaid would. So I think a lot of people are choosing to not work because Medicaid is actually paying for their needs compared to, you know, working for, you know, Walmart or something like that. Yeah. Right. And it, and that's another thing that Brooke and I always talk about is that, you know, our system is so corrupt when it comes to disability rights, because people who do have disabilities basically have to live at welfare, like very low income line where you're and single. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And single. <laughs> and single. You can't have a spouse or else your your spouse can't get paid to, to do any of the care for you, you know. And so there's a big flaw in the system where people with disabilities are really overlooked. And I know that this ADA law came in into 1990s, 1990s, pardon. Uh, but there's still such a huge gap in the system when it comes to, you know, finding employment, being one of them, and also having a spouse. It's like, it's almost as if... They, you know, people with disabilities are expected to just live alone, live alone and, and uh, you know, can't make too much money or else they have to pay for everything out of pocket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
I know that's a huge thing in the States too, as is uh, what we always talk about, about partners and how we've just read some horror stories online. Like where Elaine and I are going through our own thing here too, um, about, you know, not being compensated and being kind of taken advantage of because we're here, we're the partner, we live with our partner. But I've heard such things on the private group from insurers saying, we aren't going to give your partner benefits anymore because you're married and these are considered wifely duties. Mm-hmm. What Did you guys encounter any of that when you moved in together? Um, not moving in. Uh, we haven't faced any of that. Um, but we are, we have chosen not to legally get married because of, you know, the situation. Um, holy wait, 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 wait. You know, that- I did not know that you guys aren't legally getting married. No, we are not. Oh my oh, gosh. Wow. I did not know that. And this is huge yeah. because there's so many women on the private group that talk about this and say, I am not legally allowed to marry my partner because we can't lose these benefits and because we just don't have an option. And I, that's amazing that you're voicing this because oh, you're going to get like a flood of messages now, Charisma. <laughs> I know. And you know, it's not something Cole and I have publicly talked about yet, but we are going to, we, our goal actually was because it'll throw people off was to have our, you know, us getting married and have a video talking about us getting married. And then shortly after talk about us legally not being married. And um, we're actually very soon once the house is done, um, we've been talking to a congressman here in Virginia. Um, and we're going to try to fight that law here in Virginia because it's determined by the state. Mm. And so we're going to fight the law to allow people with disabilities to get married and not lose benefits. But I mean, it's going to take us a year and a lot of fundraising uh, to make that happen. But that is one of our uh, goals for next year. Well, that's really, yeah, that's that's really inspiring to hear because there's a lot of women out there that kind of have the same goal as far as like, this is not okay. This is not right. Like you have to help us a little bit. Like it should have nothing to do with your relationship as to like, if you get, you know, things that you need, supplies that you need that you can't afford. It's ludicrous, but I just, uh, we're lucky to have you guys in a higher profile position where you can talk about this and like, seriously, let us know what we can do because Elaine and I have been talking about this for so long. Um, possibly doing some sort of a campaign around like, this is reality and this is what's happening in our community and it's not okay. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we've definitely been pursuing our own cases. Even this morning before I hopped on here with you guys, we just had a phone call from our OT and sorry, our case manager saying that, you know, the hours that we've been approved for are too much and that we can only get about three hours within their guidelines. (gasps) And then and then she chimes in saying um, she says, well, you know, we have to have some room where the family takes care of the individual who's injured. You know, that that has to happen. And I said, I said, no, that doesn't need to happen. That's not fair. Why is it that, you know, we're still stuck in a place where the family or the girlfriend or the spouse is expected to take care of the individual? Because there are so many partners that live on their own by choice, but also you don't really want to be sacrificing your life. You know, what if you have goals? What if there are women who have other careers that can't be in the home and then they're still expected to live this crazy juggling life. And it's also, and it's also the recognition too, like for people like myself that choose to be the caregiver, it's just because I've made that choice. I don't get compensated for it. Um, If we had chose to have a nurse living with us all the time, because my husband requires like a lot of help. 
um, then we'd have to live with a third party and they would be paid. But I'm not, con- you know, I'm not good enough to, I guess, to be recognized for that. So it's about that recognition. It's about like, what are, what is your choice? It's like almost like the female rights movement. It's like, <laughs> you should have a choice. You should have whatever yep. choice you want. Right. And, exactly. and have that supported. Right. And yeah. on top of that, it's just like, I feel like we're expected to care for our partner and then work and then care for children if we have children and we're expected to do all of these things and then you don't like get recognized like you said or get compensated and it's just like you know we're expected to balance so much and I feel that way personally um just having a YouTube channel or even Cole's family and friends or my family and friends they'll come up to me and they'll say charisma like what are you gonna do to you know support you and Cole and I'm just like, why is the expectation for me to be the breadwinner and me to do this and me to do that? Like if YouTube like dies or we stop doing YouTube, Cole was the first one to say, you know, I'm going to get a job and I'm going to support us. And if that means I'll lose Medicaid, like I want to be the person. Um, I'm tired of people expecting you to take care of me and then you to work and then you to take care of the kids. Like that's too much for one person to do. Well, and think yeah. about the mental health that comes along with that. It's like, you know, we're mm-hmm. expected to do all of this and then come out a shining star, mentally able and mentally well <laughs> to look after everybody, including ourselves. How much pressure that is, is just obscene. And we know with how much no pressure it is. Right? Exactly. Yeah, right. No and, and for those of you who are listening right now who may not understand um, exactly what we're talking about as far as uh, being paid for the care. So this is in situations where the government or private insurance or you know, workers comp or the military, um, the VA in the U S they're willing to pay for someone to come in to care for your spouse, but they're not willing to compensate you. So just a little clarification there for people. It's not like we're asking to be paid for being, Mm -hmm. you know, doing the care because we're here anyways. It's like, no, we're asking to just be recognized as would somebody else in the same situation who is just not the girlfriend or the wife. Like why do those titles mean so much? Right. Mm-hmm. And we even remember, remember, sorry, when you and I were talking about this and we were like, we even considered it. I was like, Brooke, why don't you come work for Dan and I can go work for Evan? Yeah. That's the only way that we can be paid to be wow. caregivers for an opposite partner, because that would that would make sense. But we can't do that for our own partners. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. you're getting into the whole human rights uh, kind of <laughs> yeah. like thing in Canada. We have a charter of human rights and um, it's it says that you can't be discriminated based on marital status. Um, you can't be discriminated based on family status. And yet all of these situations here literally say, because you're a family member, you cannot do this. And that's the only reason. And that's wrong. And so that's what Elena and I are working on. And we know that it's very similar in the States. It's just, it's oh, kind of yeah. like a conflict of, it's just, it's crazy. <laughs> it is. And I think for a lot of people too, you know, of course you can get someone, a caregiver to come every day or a live-in nurse, but also we want that privacy. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you don't want someone living in your house 24 seven or, you know, when you're waking up, they have to get there bright and early in the morning and, you know, get your husband up or get your wife mm-hmm. up. It's just a privacy thing that I want people to also recognize, which is why a lot of women and men choose to be their spouse's yeah. primary caregiver. A hundred percent. We have that every single morning. We have the <laughs> the phone rings, the dogs bark. It's me jumping out of bed, tripping over something. Usually still my PJs, like, like literally just waking up and it's not that much fun. It gets, it gets really, really old after a while. I mean, we're so thankful to be able to have that hour and a half in the mornings, but I know that both of us kind of feel like, 
you know, you, you lose so much freedom and, and so much, you know, what, what if you want to sleep in? What if you want to watch the news? What if you want to have pancakes in the morning? That's just not the way it goes. So it's a very fine balance between the two, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Charisma, do you and Cole have um, a nurse or do you pretty much do his like morning routine and everything? Um, I have been doing it all for the past five or six months. Um, initially it had started after, um, our anniversary last year, we had a little incident and Cole had a little tear in his groin, groin. And, um, we didn't want to tell his parents about it because his mom was his, pri- was his primary caregiver then. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to handle this. This is not the responsibility. You know, we caused this situation to happen, so I'm going to take care of it. And then from there, it was just much easier for me to do Cole's primary, to be his primary caregiver. And then it just gave us that privacy to not have, you know, his parents, you know, coming in the room in the morning or doing this and doing that. It just made us feel more comfortable. But, um, so yeah, I continued to do his primary care just because, you know, we have our business together and we're together 24 seven. So it just kind of goes well it meshes well together we get up at the same time we go to bed at the same time so it's much easier yeah and I I always like to say it's kind of like you get to find that routine that's like a well-oiled machine that works for you right where it's just like you couldn't imagine someone else doing it in the same way and doing it as efficient like I remember when we had nursing the first year of my partner's injury it would take the nurse four hours to do something that would take me 45 minutes and then we would have Mm -hmm. our coffee and breakfast and that kind of thing like you just as a as a partner to someone you learn Learn what is the best care for them if you have that personality. Other other wives and girlfriends in the community that don't have those that personality, they're just like, no, go with your nurse. Doesn't matter, and and that's just that's totally fine. There's no right or wrong way. It's just a different experience, right? But yeah, I can totally Absolutely. relate to what you're saying, especially with the privacy thing. Like, ugh. and even what Elena was saying, it's mm-hmm. it's tough to have like a th- a threesome relationship. Right? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> With anybody. What are the benefits here? What are the benefits? I mean, unless you're into that, I don't know. <laughs> right? No. Honestly, we love it. We do love love our caregivers that come in the morning because especially when it's like a Monday morning and the weekend just wrapped up and you're like, we don't have a dishwasher in our apartment. So for me, I'm like, oh, this is like the time that I can clean up the house while Dan's getting ready or whatnot, you know? That's nice. It's, uh, so I want to ask you, Chris, how many followers do you guys have on YouTube now? Uh, We are very close to 400,000 subscribers on YouTube. Holy smokes. We need you. That's just like mind blowing. That is like mind blowing. I, and I was talking to Evan about, cause we were talking about how we're interviewing you today yesterday at dinner. And he was asking about, cause he's, he's a YouTube guy, but he hasn't really been on your channel. So he was like talking about how, oh yeah, I see them on Instagram, but I've never actually like went on their YouTube and looked at their videos for like longer than a few minutes. And he's like, how many like viewers do they have? I was like, literally some of their, um, videos have millions of viewers. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) And it's not just people in the disability community. It's everybody. That's why you guys are so powerful is so you're not just catering to one segment of the disability community. You're literally going over and above to people in society that, like you said earlier, have no, don't know anybody with a disability. And that's huge, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Changing, you know, a lot of people's perspective and our, our most popular video actually has like 3.6 million um, views. And it was Cole's morning routine, which was, it took us a long time to film that because Cole was so uncomfortable with showing that part of himself. Um, but now he's so thankful that he did because, you know, people 
realize the amount of work that goes into, you know, someone with a disability getting up in the morning and also like wheelchair user users or quadriplegic can they found the video and they're like, Oh my goodness, I'm going to try this doing it this way or giving us recommendations and advice on how we could do something a little different to make it more efficient. So, you know, it's been amazing being able to help educate others. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And again, you know, highlighting your most vulnerable moments on your, in your daily routines in life, you're helping other people. You're showing other people that there is a way and that life still continues on even after, you know, spinal cord injury and after you buy a house and after you have a billion YouTube followers, you know, after you get married, life is just, it's very, it goes by very quickly, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's also nice to have those things documented because years down the road, you can show them to your kids. Right. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Having like your own personal video scrapbook of like, Oh, look, mom and dad, five, six years ago. Like, that's so precious. That's really cool. Yeah, it was funny. Cole and I were talking about that the other day. And Cole was, he was like, do you think our, our kids are going to think we're cool? Like, because we have a really cool YouTube channel. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I don't really know. You know, I feel like all kids kind of think their parents are a little weird, no matter if they're really cool or not. You know, But then but, also... You know, it's, it's, but then also you think about it this way. It's like, think about how we think of MySpace. <laughs> is YouTube yeah. going to be like how we think of MySpace now to our <laughs> children? Like how we're like, oh my God, MySpace. And it's like a joke. It's like funny, right? Hopefully not because I feel like it's different. But it's just, <laughs> who knows what it will be like in 15, 10, 15 years, right? It's changing no, so fast. I'm very, very interested to find out where YouTube is going to look like then. Yeah. It'll maybe it'll be like a virtual experience. Like come and have breakfast virtually with Cole and Charisma. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Holograms, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. Yeah, um, so hilarious. yeah. So Charisma, what is your, um, what is the number one thing that you get asked on your platforms? Ooh. Um, me personally or yeah. no, you well, personally, like what is the like number one thing that people ask you about yourself? Um, <laughs> what my hair routine is <laughs> okay well, what is your Fair hair routine? Enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um apparently I have really cool hair I I never liked my hair truthfully and so people started telling me how good it looked and I start start to appreciate my hair more um but my routine is so detailed um it takes about an hour to two hours to do my hair um, if I want to put wow. in a ponytail, you know, obviously that's really quick. Um, or I wear hats a lot because I just don't feel like handling my hair. Yeah. So that is one of the struggles that I've had actually, you know, so after I started dating Cole and doing his care was just taking care of my hair. Like I've had, my hair has fallen out, you know, I've had like stressed bald spots, um, just because I don't take care of my hair. And so that is one of the things lately that I've been making a priority, you know, it's just taking care of my hair because it makes me feel good. And I'm like, Oh, it's growing. It looks healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, self-care. that is the biggest thing. Yes. Self-care is so important. Self-care yeah. is definitely important for every walk of life, but especially for YMSCI, because you need to have that, you know, like you said earlier, you know, who, what makes you happy? You have to make yourself happy. You have to take care of yourself because you cannot pour from an empty cup. Absolutely. What is your, um, besides your hair routine and, and, and just like taking that time to like pamper yourself, what is like your 
favorite forms of self-care? Like, what do you like to do that like clears your head? Like as a, as a primary caregiver, you know, we can all, we can all agree that it can be a lot. So like, what do you do to kind of decompress or what are, what are some things that you would give advice for, for self-care? Well, I must say that I am working on that part of myself. I am not the best when it comes to self-care. I'm, I'm so quick to put other people's feeling and needs before mine and completely forget to take care of myself. But lately I've been trying to get back into working out because that was one of the things that I just loved doing and something that I have lost in the past, you know, two or three years. Um, so working out was, is my biggest thing, but truthfully, I just love being with Cole so much and he just makes me so happy. And I know it's not self care, but just being with him, I feel like that's me like taking care of myself because he is a huge emotional support in my life. And, you know, we get on the couch and watch shows like every single day. And that is my way to unwind and relax and just enjoy, you know, two hours of just binge watching a crappy show. Aww, totally. That's really I have sweet. to agree with you on that. And it's also, it's also kind of nice to be on the couch at the same level too, right? When you're like that, that neutral zone where you don't really have to worry about anything. You can just like be still and on the same level. Mm -hmm. That's really, really sweet. And what are your guys's like, you know, obviously you and Cole are just like, you've figured out what works for you as far as like balancing work and balancing communication and balancing care. Like I think that needs to be celebrated because there it's very hard to not only balance, you know, being the caregiver and the girlfriend or the fiance, but also balancing work and the pressures that come from that. And then, you know, not to mention the, the hardships that you guys have to struggle with as far as like the haters and all that kind of stuff. How do you, um, what is your favorite thing to do outside of work, outside of the home, um, as far as like dates, like, what would you say is like your favorite thing to do with Cole that like kind of brings you down to earth and like reconnects you? Um, you know, we, we do a lot of things. Uh, I think our top two favorite things, um, we, we love to go to a winery, um, and just be out in nature. Uh, I think nature is just so healing um, especially if you actually like sit down and enjoy it and just stop thinking for a moment and just breathe. Um, that's, you know, one of our favorite things to do. And then also like a fun active activity, like top golf and Cole doesn't always participate. So he's just kind of there watching and supporting and making sure it's just like about me and like, I'm having fun and like kind of working on my swing and seeing how far I can get it. So just activities, just like, outside enjoying nature and just breathing and taking a moment which all of these um things are you don't have to be a walker or a runner to do I mean like we Mm -hmm. I've noticed I've noticed in the past few episodes like we always get to this point where we talk to our guest about especially the ones that have uh, met their partner post injury um Mm -hmm. they're worried about oh look like these things that we won't be able to do together and that's kind of a reservation that a lot of women have when they're first starting to date a quad or a pair like what will we not be able to do but I think it's really important what you said because the commonality I found among all these guests is the simplest activities are the most rewarding and the funnest Mm -hmm. and you don't need legs to do them 
Absolutely. Right. I agree. And that's, that's why we started the YouTube channel because that was an activity that, like you said, don't need legs to do them and something that we found that we both really enjoyed. And just focusing on that, right? Like focusing on the things that you can do instead of like the things you can't do. And I think it's, you know, I think it's society's conditioning of like, you should be able to do whatever you want, whenever you want. And that's kind of the Mm -hmm. ideal. And that's what we all get trained in growing up. I don't know about you guys, but like I was all trained by the media and what I was reading is like, you know, you can do anything you want and it's empowering, but it also kind of skews a little bit. It's like, no, I should be able to do absolutely everything. But then you think about it and you're like, No, not necessarily. I would rather do some really amazing, simple things with the person that I love. And that's really all that matters. You're not really missing out on much. Mm -hmm. I agree. I don't know how you feel about that, Elena. I totally agree with that. Have you guys found any adapted activities that you guys can do together that you really, really like? Um, that's a good question. Um, I mean, like, kind of getting in the water that, I mean, that might be our favorite thing, which is, you know, you can only do in the summertime, well, depending on where you are, but I think getting in the water and we found like, you know, hotels that have pool lifts, you know, that makes it really fun. But truthfully, outside of that, I, I don't know. I think we just focus so much on, on just doing activities that we know we can do, like just taking that walk or, ta- or taking a roll. Taking um, that wheel, girl. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, that's just something that we enjoy. I mean, top golf might be one of our activities where we just tape the. It's not adapted. I mean, we we make it that way, but um, something that Cole can do. Um, like, yeah, I, like I know for examples, I, like I would hear it could be because of like our geography and whatnot. But we have like adapted sailing. There's adapted kayaking. Some people mm-hmm. like to go. I don't know windsurfing. Do you guys have any activities or any programs out in your area that provide activities like that? Oh, absolutely. Um, Sportable is a huge um, nonprofit organization um, that has different sporting events uh, for people with disabilities. Um, and so we have that option. We definitely do. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested now that like realizing that we don't really engage too much in that, those type of activities, but it, it could be just because we're so focused on YouTube and that business that mm-hmm. we just don't find time to do other things outside of the YouTube channel. And so right. that's going to be something that I definitely want to work on now. This is your challenge from the WEGS of SCI. <laughs> yeah. And I know you guys have been so you guys have been so busy. You have bought a house. Uh, congratulations on that. And what I want to ask you, what was the best part of renovating your house? Like, what did you guys do that was like, woohoo, we got this? Um, I, I feel like I can't choose one specific thing. It's just the whole house in general. I think it's just the thought of having your own place with your partner and moving out of your parents' house. Like, we could have moved into a really crappy house that had, you know, nothing that we needed, but just the idea and the fact of just living on your own was what made us so happy. And you guys, you guys, uh, re like you revamped a whole bunch of it. So it's accessible for coal, right? Like I saw your kitchen. That looks awesome. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So the house already had a ramp. Um, we just had to make it better because, you know, it was way too steep. And there's just a lot of changes that we had to make to make it more accessible. The only thing it really had was the ramp and widened doorways, which was 
really nice. Um, but we've had to put in a lot of work. So ever since we purchased the house, ever since, like when, once I signed that contract, the next day I was here cleaning and it's been really nonstop since then. So there's been so much work, you know, put into it. I, I don't know if I've gotten more than, you know, 30 hours of sleep every week. I don't know. Is that an average? Cause if that's the average, then that's great. But I <laughs> that doesn't seem like a lot. <laughs> um, but I've just been so busy, but it just, it's rewarding because you're investing into your future. Um, and it's, it's worth it in the end because it's a house that we will have for hopefully the next 15 years of our lives. So, and it's also really cool because you guys have literally like built this house together pretty much. Like, yes. like you guys started the YouTube channel, you made it your business together. And then now you've got your pretty much your dream house, uh, that you've built together. Like, I think that's, that's huge. It's like in the walls. It's like, this was made by Cole and Charisma. Like that is so cool. Mm-hmm. No, we, we love our house every day more and more. And it, it's not even completed, completed yet, but yeah, but we still love, we still love it. It's, it's great. Um, so I think we should talk about sex because <laughs> we, <laughs> just to put it bluntly, let's get into sex because <laughs> I, I have no doubt that you probably get asked questions about sex on what a daily basis. Oh yeah, definitely. What is the, like the top question that you get that you're comfortable talking about? Uh, does it work? <laughs> yes, yes, that is everybody wants to know. <laughs> yes, um, and yeah, we tell everyone yes, it works. It absolutely does work. Um, we 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 never dive too deep into you know that we did uh, intimacy talk actually with the Reef Foundation where we discuss a lot more than we expected to discuss, but it felt so great talking about it because it was an audience that truly cared and needed help in that part of their lives. And it, they weren't just nosy and wanted to know, Oh, how do you do this? How do you do that? It just, it felt, we felt very comfortable talking about it. And where, um, and where can but, you find that video? If someone wants to watch that, is it still available? We actually, we don't, we didn't have a video. We haven't posted it yet. We're, we're working oh. on a website and we're going to post Ooh. that talk on our website. Oh, cool. um, but we're still trying to be careful um, just because it is a lot of information about our lives that I don't know if we're ready, ready to share yet. Yeah. Maybe when we get married, I think it's the whole stigma there. Right. So, personally. So we're like, okay, as soon as we're married, then maybe we can talk about it very openly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's like the most popular question. Like, does it work? And we comment all the time saying, yes, it works. And people just expect that, like, I'm very unsatisfied and I'm going to go find a man <laughs> to sleep with and cheat on Cole. And Dude, why do people think I, that? Can we just visit that I, for one second? I don't understand because I know uh, both Elena and I have gotten that quite mm-hmm. a bit too. It's like, oh, don't you want a real man? Or don't you like, mm-hmm. I, like, where does that even come from? Like, I just, I I think, honestly, I was thinking about it yesterday, actually, so weird. I was totally thinking about this yesterday, and I feel like it comes from, like, a place of insecurity from the individual themselves. You know, it's like, do you have to ask questions like this to kind of boost your ego? What is what is a real man? Tell me. <laughs> like, Are you really a real man? <laughs> is that what you're saying? Yeah. Are you the real man? <laughs> <laughs> the man. 
<laughs> no, but people well, get angry think- about it, though. They almost get, like, kind of, like, upset and angry. Like, kind of like, oh, why would you want that when you could have a real guy? And it's like, how- why are you assuming, like, uh, what's your definition of a real guy? Like, what? <laughs> you have to yeah. laugh at it a little yeah. bit, right? It's true. I think that's the issue with a lot of people, though. Like, they see intimacy as just sex and intercourse and that's what matters to them and there is so much more to intimacy than just sex and I think that's the issue and that's why people constantly ask those questions and I responded I've responded to multiple uh, comments on YouTube saying I have never been more satisfied in my life like and I just leave it at that that. like seriously (laughs) never and so I, I hate that people just assume because he's in a wheelchair that our intimate life cannot be as great as someone who is you know a couple that an able-bodied couple yeah I feel like that's a a very big commonality in the community too between us women behind closed doors when we talk about sex together is like people assume that we're not being satisfied and it's like it's the opposite and I know we've talked about this so many times and we've written blogs on this about how we find that when someone is paralyzed, when a guy is paralyzed and they can no longer rely on a boner that goes around town and sleeps with everybody <laughs> with no emotional connection, they, they can, they have to rely on their personality, right? They have to rely on who am I? They have to develop who they are inside and have that radiate out. And I feel like when these guys do that and they get to a place where they are developing the other side of their personality. Not that the physical side doesn't matter. Cause of course it does. Like, you know, you have to be attracted to the person, but I think that we are, a lot of us are living proof that physical sex is not the best for us. Right. Like you can, like you said, like I'm, I'm the most satisfied I've ever been. I agree. And it's like, you try, especially at the beginning of these injuries, you try and tell the guys that, and they don't believe you. Like my husband's like, Oh yeah, right. Whatever. You're just saying it. it's like, no, seriously. Like when you're stimulated mentally, emotionally, and when you're listened to, and when the person pays attention to who you are as a woman, it makes you so much more attracted to that person and the intimacy level just goes through the roof because I find it. And I think we all can say the same thing in our previous dating, dating lives. You know, we haven't had this strong of an emotional connection where it matters. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I don't know about you, but I haven't dated anybody else. (laughs) There was nobody before Dan. (laughs) Nobody. Absolutely. No one, no one before Cole. (laughs) Yeah. No one before Cole. No one before Evan. (laughs) <laughs> it's just like that history. Um, no, but I think that also, especially like for women like us who did meet their partners or sorry, who knew their partners before the injury, I feel like the first year really slows you down as well. There's a lot more time to like, like really regroup and rethink everything you knew about what life meant to you that, yeah, maybe it's not like that frivolous, like I'm just going to go out and find a date tonight mm-hmm. because you know, you're at a different point in your life and in, in growth, right? As be as people, both individually and collectively together, that it's a different perspective altogether, I think, too. Absolutely. I do have a question for you two ladies. Did both of you guys meet um, your husbands after or me before? Sorry, before. Yeah. Yes. And it's interesting because Elena met her partner. Like we're, we're both at like the kind of the 50% mark. I just passed the 50% mark where, um, I've actually, he's been in a chair longer than he was before his injury. I was with him for four years and then he was injured and now it's been six years since his injury. So we kind of have that. 
It's pretty similar here too. I think Dan's now been injured. Well, he's been out of rehab for what, four and a half years. And we Mm -hmm. dated for three years. Yeah. We dated for three years. So we're getting up there too. Yeah. But I knew it was different for you, Charisma, because you guys actually met after, right? Yeah. Yes. We did meet after. um, And Cole was seven years post-injury, I think, when we met. Seven or six. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's going on nine years uh, in a few weeks, actually. Wow. Ooh, the um, injury anniversary is coming up. Yes, yes. But I, I do have a question, though, for you real quick. Sorry. Um, Do you feel like you may have fallen in love, like your love was stronger after the injury due to like that emotional connection that you might have established after the injury, which yes. may have been stronger than before the injury? Yes. 100%. Yeah, 100%. But I think both Brooke and I said that our lives were very, you know, fast paced before the injury where yeah. it was you know, you kind of fall into that, like, you know, the Western society, the cycle of like, pay your mortgage, go to work, come home, sleep, pay your mortgage, go to work. You just go, 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 go. That this injury kind of forced us to slow down and really kind of um, analyze our relationships and the people that we were, again, individually and collectively as, as a partnership that it completely changed everything. And I think we also saw what happens uh, to someone when a serious injury like this happens and you're in a relationship with them already, you mm-hmm. see the changes that happen. Like you go through these terrible times, but it also forces you to grow together and you see how that person has changed. Um, like you see the progress they made. Like I always talk to my husband about this. Like I remember who he was before his injury and it's almost like a different person. Like I refer to him as like oh. before injury Evan versus post injury Evan. And I would always, you know, he would, he was a mountaineer. So he like went rock climbing all weekend. He worked, you know, six days a week. He was just a workaholic and a physical person. And he was always a sweetheart, but it, he never put as much focus into his other aspects of his personality until his physical self was kind of taken away from him. And the ability to yeah. go climb a mountain every weekend was taken away from him and he couldn't go back to the job he was used to. And I think Elena's, Elena's situation is very similar where you kind of see the person they were before versus now and how different it is and how you grow together. And like when you go through something like that and, you know, the, the people that have met post-injury, it's the same thing. Like you go through the heartaches and the ups and downs and the secondary conditions and you go through that with your partner together as a team. And that just makes you so much stronger as a couple. I don't care what anyone says. It's, it's hundred percent. Absolutely. I just, I feel like nothing can break me and Cole. Like I just feel like we're so strong because of everything we go through and it just makes us stronger and stronger. And we go through harder and harder things, but because we're so strong together, how we deal with them, it's just, it becomes much easier because we're just so strong together and we know we can handle it no matter what it is. And you probably get a lot of people saying to you like, oh, I'm so envious of your relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And to, out, to the outside world that doesn't know you and doesn't understand quadriplegia or doesn't understand, you know, brain injuries, serious injuries that happen when you're in a relationship or serious things that you have to overcome during your relationship and how it brings you closer. When people don't understand that, they're yeah. like, well, why could someone be jealous of that? Like this person's a quadriplegic that is dependent, that needs help. Like that's not an ideal situation. But then the people that do know you that see how resilient you are and see how close you are. There's something to be envied about that. There seriously is because it's, yeah. it's cool. Right. Yeah, it is. It is. 
Totally. And not to mention also the very quick thinking on the spot thinking that we have to work together as a team on yeah. um, with this injury. That's that's a new skill set altogether that you are learning um, as a team, right? You know, as many of us know that SCI, the easiest part about SCI is the wheelchair. The toughest yeah, yeah. part are all the interesting situations we get ourselves into, um, you know, just little things that pop up on the daily. So how do you handle that? That like really makes it that you either make it or break it. And sometimes you break it a few times and then sometimes you make it a few times. So there is no manual for this life. And you know, that is the biggest takeaway from, from all of our messages. And I think for you guys too, and from you guys is that there's no manual. You just do the best you can each day. Yeah. Live day by day. What is your, if you were to give, um, let's talk about women who are new to this life. And, you know, I, I would say like a f- definitely a few times a week, we get women messaging us saying that they found the Wags of SCI page from Colin Charisma's YouTube page and they're new to wow. this life. And it's very cool. Yeah. And we're like eternally grateful for you promoting, you know, caregiver rights and your role and Wags and all that kind of stuff. Um, what advice would you have for a woman whose partner has been recently injured and, you know, they're kind of going through this at this time? Um, I think, you know, at the beginning, it, it's very hard and there's a lot that you have to deal with. And, you know, I'm speaking from the viewpoint of, you know, meeting Cole after his injury. Right. Um, but I, I think my biggest advice is communication. And that is advice I would give to like, you know, anyone really, because you have to be open and you have to communicate how you feel. I think so often we're so quick to want to help others and take care of others and focus on others that we forget about ourselves. And we have to one, realize that we're not taking care of ourselves. And then two, communicate that with your partner. Like say, Hey, I, I need just a day to do this, to do this, to, you know, get myself back into the right mindset um, before I can help you or do anything for you. But communication is very important. And, you know, if you, you feel uncomfortable, voice that with your partner. Um, they should know like what you, your comfort level it is. And you should know what your comfort, comfort level is. And the same with intimacy. I mean, you have to communicate um, in all aspects of your relationship. Yeah, that's really great advice. I feel like it always comes down to communication. Like, I feel like people don't understand, like, oh, what does that really mean? Well, like you said, like, it it means voicing what you need and listening to what your partner needs and not becoming, hiding your feelings so that you get resentful, right? Totally, because that stuff comes up like a freaking basketball underwater. It just pops (laughs) right up at the worst times possible. And also, you can communicate with your body language. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. Um, Okay, so why don't we get into your wedding planning? Um, You guys were working with a bunch of, like, big publications, um, like big platforms about your wedding planning. So currently due to COVID, um, firstly, what are your plans for your wedding? When is it going to happen? And are you kind of set on your plan or is it kind of going with the flow? So we're kind of going with the flow and we have a plan A and a plan B. Our plan A is to continue planning it how we were planning it. Um, like pretending COVID didn't, doesn't exist. <laughs> um, and then we have a plan B, um, where we 
cut the wedding list dramatically, um, pretty much having an immediate family only and a few friends. Um, and then outside to make everyone, you know, to make it easier to social distance and do what we need to do. Um, but, you know, we're not sure which plan we're going with yet, not until we get closer to the date and to see how things are around the world and in this country and within our state. Are you guys staying in Virginia? Absolutely. Yes. We're staying in Virginia. Um, and, and most of the people that are, you know, our immediate family and everything, everyone's here except for a few uncles and cousins and my one brother, he's the only one that's far, but everyone else is in Virginia And so, you know, people don't have to, you know, really fly or travel too far. But we're kind of just playing it by ear and seeing what happens. And, you know, if it has to be just me and Cole, like we're going to get married with the two of us and, you know, the officiant. Um, But we're getting married regardless. That that is what we know. Awesome. Good for you guys. And we can't wait to see the YouTube of that when that comes out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'll be cool. We actually... We have a really awesome videographer that I'm so stoked about. And so, yeah, I think that'll be an awesome video. Aw, yeah, that'll be really, really exciting. Well, speaking of videos, we kind of have a little final question for you about other couples in your situ, like in an interabled quote relationship that want to start a YouTube channel because, you know, we get this weekly um, women who are like, I want to start YouTube, but I don't know where to start. What is the advice? Uh, that you have for those couples that want to create a presence online? Um, My biggest advice would be to just do it. Just start. Um, I think so many of us make an excuse in our head of why we shouldn't do this or why we can't do this. And we need this and we need that. Cole and I started our YouTube channel with just myself in. Um, And then we eventually got a camera that, you know, was very inexpensive and we used that camera for quite some time until we upgraded. And, you know, you have to start somewhere. You you're not going to be 100 percent prepared to start a YouTube channel or to, you know, try to grow your social media presence. But you just have to start somewhere and then realize that it's going to take some time. Uh, just like any other job, you, let's say you get hired in one position and you're trying to work your way up to become supervisor and a manager type thing. It's the same thing for YouTube. You have to start, you know, where you start and then gradually grow. It, it's just not, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take some time. And then to be open. Um, it's, it's very hard um, dealing with comments from people who truly don't know you personally. Mm-hmm. People think they're entitled to have their own opinion about your lives. Um, and you just have to, I, I don't like the whole idea of you have to have thick skin. Like, I, I just feel like you just have to realize that what they're saying about you is not true. Um, it's not about having thicker thin skin because for anyone, those comments are going to get to you eventually. Um, but you just have to remember that you know yourself and no one can tell you, like, you know you more than anyone else. Um, and so just remember that and, you know, you see those negative comments, just ignore them. If you're going to let negative comments affect you more than you let the positive comments affect you, then you just need to ignore all comments completely and just kind of just be neutral when it comes to positive and negative comments. Um, and so, yeah, that's just my biggest advice is just just know that it's going to take some time, but just, just start doing it. And that's really great advice. That's really inspiring because I think, you know, a lot of people want that whole Insta fame, instant uh, viral videos. Instant graphic 
gratification, yeah. right? And if they don't get it right away, they kind of give up or they let it like squander away. And it's just, you know, that's great advice for, for couples that want to do this. I think it's really inspiring. And then I'm glad you brought up the negative comment thing because, you know, we kind of have to address it. Like it's been a huge issue for you ever since we met you, people's negative comments. And I think we kind of want to know how has the, that made you stronger? Um, I think that it's just made me love myself more and realize that, like I said earlier, no one knows me better than I know myself. And, and Cole, Cole knows me pretty well too. But um, I, I think it just, it, it's made me stronger mentally and just being able to just ignore. Um, I think so at the beginning, it was so, so hard for me and I cried a lot and it was hard on our relationship because that was something that was the only thing we talked about, like this negative comment, that negative comment. And then I came to realize that a lot of the negative comments that I I was receiving one is because no one wants to, you know, make fun of Cole or pick on Cole because, you know, he has a disability and no one wants to be that cruel. So the next best option is me. And then two, there's just so much racism out there. And so a lot of the comments had to do with just me being black and oh, cool, you should date a white girl. Like, the only reason you chose a black girl is because you couldn't get anyone white because you knew a white woman wouldn't do that <gasps> for you. Yeah, it's just so race-related. And I just had to remind myself that I'm amazing and I'm lovable and I'm beautiful. And no, whatever they say, like, it just it don't let it affect me because I know me and I know my worth. A hundred percent. And that's the best advice for anybody. So we're really happy that you've been able to take the high road on all of this. And you're doing a lot more good than any bad at all for the community that we do have. So, And I I think that people, people, the haters that are listening right now should realize that they're hateful comments. They're seen and they're taken to make you a stronger woman. So I guess that's a thank you to all the haters out there, right? (laughs) That's very cool. Well, we just wanted to thank you so much, Charisma, for coming on and for being so open and giving so much amazing advice. Like you're so inspiring um, to so many women. You need to know that Um, you're just like, you're amazing. And so thank you for coming on. Um, where can our listeners find you? Um, where's the best place to contact you? Where where should they look for you online? You can find us on YouTube uh, at Roll With Cole and Charisma. Um, but I also want to say thank you to you two ladies. Um, from the beginning, you guys have always, always been there for me. And one of the first uh, Instagram or like blogs that I found, um, you know, were you two and You guys have really helped me through some really, really hard times. And I don't think I would be where I am today without, you know, the community support and the support of WAG. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Prisma. And we feel exactly the same way back. Yeah. Now, for anybody who would like to get a hold of us, you can reach the WAGs of SCI at gmail.com. Our Instagram handle is the WAGs of SCI, W-A-G-S. O-S-S-C-I. So the wives and girlfriends of spinal cord injury. And thank you once again for tuning in and listening to this episode with Charisma Jameson, hosted by Alina Pauly and Brooke Peget. Take care. The advocacy and outreach group Wives of SCI is currently a volunteer-based operation. We raise funds year-round to pay for date nights for our couples, essential medical supplies that our members may not be able to afford mental health support for our WAGs, including counseling, and our amazing meetups led by our volunteer ambassadors around the globe. 
If you feel called to support our mission, please visit our website, wegsofsci.com or donate directly to the Wags of SCI GoFundMe page. We thank you for your support to help make this group possible and make a difference in the lives of SCI couples worldwide.